0: All right, College Hoops lovers. It is episode 31 of Mad About Hoops. It's been a couple of weeks, some scheduling conflicts. We're doing a little bit of light travel through the holidays, work schedules. It it made it difficult for me and Evil Bald Colin to get together, even... With all this technology, that's how crazy busy we have been. But, Evil, it's good to talk to you, man. This is a different sort of pod. We're just going. The ball yeah. has started to bounce. We are underway now. No cold open. No show open. We're not at the studio. We're not at home base. We don't have access to a lot of things. So, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Tim. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you can kind of tell there's a little bit of a different audio quality because I usually have the professional microphone in-house. And you have a pretty good setup over there. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a weird... I want to say about a week and a half, or right when the holiday started, actually, with uh, me going into quarantine a little bit. I've been testing negative, but you know, company Good. policy, I have to be back here doing work from here. So it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. But I do say I could get used to the ten months plus that you've
0: been doing this from home. Really yeah, You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's not bad, right? It, <laughs> you get stuck with all the heavy lifting too. So I'd, I had told you, uh, you've got an Ohio state football national championship game press conference to tune into and to edit when we are done with this. We're coming to you guys on a lovely Wednesday afternoon about two o'clock, January 6th. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to pod. We've got all sorts of things flying around. I was just listening to Alabama's national championship game press conference. Bama, nice little basketball team too. Well, we, uh, it's always fun to have those conversations about who's got the best football slash men's basketball setup. Mm -hmm. We are here in Columbus, Ohio. The Buckeyes have always been really, really strong. I don't think there's too many years where they would fall out of the top five for that debate. Would you agree? Yeah,
1: I, I would agree with you because I, I, it takes t- some time to think about it because college basketball is such a diverse sport and a lot of the bigger name teams are some of the smaller named schools that don't actually have a program that's playing
0: FBS sure, football. Sure. Some don't even have it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I'm trying to think like that kind of tells you the quality of how hard it is to be balanced in both of Alabama's in that criteria because, I mean, for the longest time before even Avery Johnson got that they were really known as a program that was really – Higher upper level. And now Nate Oates is trying to build a program there. And they've been okay this year, but nothing to, you know, blink an eye at. But Hey, hey, um,
0: but uh, look at the last two. They just go in and they beat Rick Barnes. They beat Tennessee top 10 team by 12 handedly. And they just looked really good against Florida just last night, just yesterday. So eight and three, first in the SEC, not even ranked, but you know, they will be here soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we could talk about the SEC all day and just how wild it's going to be. I mean, you've got Kentucky. What Now they've got a two-game winning streak. They're starting to feel something. Uh, I picked Tennessee before the year they actually win the conference, so I was kind of surprised that they were running away with it at first, but now right. you just don't know
0: what to expect overall. Yeah, the 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 whole football-basketball debate, I, you still have – hoops is way bigger, but if you just boil it down to the Power Five, which is what we're talking about right there, that's still still a lot of programs, and it's still really, really hard to have both sides – of, of an athletics department, your big money-making sports firing on all cylinders at the same time. I would say Wisconsin, you know, under, in the, you know, the late, later years under Bo Ryan. And then with Greg guard, Florida, they've done with, an outstanding job, Florida with Billy Donovan, I, I would for, say those Florida, yeah. Florida, come on was the gold standard for that. I mean, they were <laughs> winning and no one really thinks of Florida like that. They, Why don't they, they get won, their life? They,
1: they won championships in the same year Champions against the same team in the same year
0: that you know what that's as crazy as the stat that my dad tells me every time i see him tim did you do you know about uh, the the utah stat yes yes father i know (laughs) yes alex smith andrew bogut very weird very strange weird how that could happen at a school like utah right that's like the stat that keeps coming back to me the fact that florida could win a national championship not justin. you could just end it at winning a national championship in football and basketball, right? You can just end it right there. You probably then add in against the same team. That will never happen again. And if, and no. you
1: did and you did the back to back years in uh <laughs> right in, at basketball. And then you were pretty close to doing close it to in doing football. That.
0: Close to doing that in football. But yeah, yeah for, for a couple of guys that work for an Ohio State station, that's not <laughs> that's not really the best way. That to... was
1: yeah, that was one of the worst years I could remember.
0: Man, I would say Michigan State as well. With Dino now that he's gone, but there were a few years there where you always had Izzo and his program and they, they come up with a big win just last night as they destroy Rutgers, but uh, Michigan state football for, you know, the better part of the decade was one of the top programs. They they're certainly in that discussion. I mean, who knows what Mac
1: Brown's going to continue to
0: do going forward? But I mean, North
1: Carolina's starting to look more and more like they could at least make a name in that category if they're going to keep on keeping on in the top well, twenty a, of
0: football. What about basketball? Yeah. Well, what about until they? Did you see any of that game last night? Where I, Roy, I saw, I, I saw highlights. Yeah. Man, it, you talk about a slop fest. I think it was it was approaching twenty turnovers for North Carolina, and it wasn't like Miami was much better. And I was I was even already tweeting it out from our uh, Mad About Hoops. Twitter account, follow it at mad about hoops. We'll keep you updated with things going on in the sport and when the next podcasts are coming out and such. But if they lost that game, that would have put North Carolina to six and five. Now they did win it. So that's really all that matters. But man, it makes you start to wonder for a guy that's a legend of the game. I saw he was on Dickie V's Mount Rushmore of all-time coaches. Shocker, right? That three of the four all-time coaches on Dickie V's list would be between Duke and North Carolina, you know? And I guarantee you, he's probably not, I don't know if he said the entire
1: thing, but I have a, I I didn't see it, but I have a feeling he put- Who's the fourth? I, I got a feeling he loves Patino so
0: much. Uh, no, it's oh, the fourth man. one is even more connected to say coach K who it was. It was Dean K Roy. And okay. Again, I'm not going to argue okay. too much with that list. Dean oh. K Roy, all the national championships. These guys have won, but Roy should have won some titles at Kansas. I'm just I'm saying sitting here in my blue room here, my, my Jayhawk room, which I don't know if you can can't see, you know, f- for people, we might throw a little clip on YouTube here and put it on the channel, but I got some of my Kansas Jayhawk stuff is. We're actually zooming. Did, so did he so leave, evil did he and I leave, can see each other.
1: Did he leave off wooden? He
0: did. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's 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 night. It's Bobby Knight. You know you know Dickie V. He's not leaving Bobby Knight off of that. I know, but come on, man. Like, I like Roy,
1: but if you're gonna try to justify putting Roy over Wooden, I,
0: I can't get there. Who's a who's a darker horse coach that you would want to give some love because it's. you know it's like when we when we do our final four picks we're Mm -hmm. not gonna go with just four blue bloods that's just no fun right like what about where would a rick bird type approach that's a very good these lists you you almost want to like pick one of the unheard of guys that didn't coach in the power five that didn't win a bunch of you know division one national championships you sort of have to elevate and get an opportunity to even compete on that level there could be there could be great coaches all over the place that we don't know a flipping thing about, but that doesn't mean they're less of a coach than some of these famous guys that we talk about all the time.
1: Yeah. When you said that, I was thinking about, you know, I know people like to do that with the dark horse final four teams. They like to pick coaches that are kind of got that pedigree to them. And I think right. one of the guys that got, that got really popular after he originally left his main name school and went back to his alma mater was Jamie Dixon down there at TCU. I think a lot of people tried to jump on that right away and he had some decent teams early on in yeah. the program, but it's just kind of faded away at this point. Um, I don't know. That's a name that that really came up in the past, and I think people kind of kept the name value on and thought it would carry over to TCU and really propped it up, but not a whole lot recently.
0: Yeah, even though he's even though he's never been a college basketball coach, I know that was the discussion. I, I always feel whenever you. You talk about these guys that don't get the national recognition, but any everyone in the game of college basketball knows about him because they likely recruited his players. But he's the guy from D.C., and that's Morgan Wooten and what he did okay. at Matha High School for so many years. You talk about a legend in basketball. He is certainly one of them. I, I vividly remember when I was a kid, the two young guns that they had, the two stallions, it was Joseph Forte, remember, and then Keith Bogans. Bogans went on to Big both, Blue yeah. at Kentucky, and Joseph Forte went to Chapel Hill and played at UNC. And mm-hmm. it was like when that pair was there, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like that tells you not just about the coach that's there, but what was built as a high school program. And who, who the heck knows, Evil? Maybe you can trace some of that back. What Morgan was doing there at Demath and DC to sort of what wound up happening everywhere else in the game of basketball. How you sort of looked to go to a certain place as a kid to play for a certain coach instead of just growing up where you grow up and you're in the school system that you're in. And then you just play basketball and it filters out. However, it may.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I also think another name that kind of gets left when you're talking about Mount Rushmore's and whatnot. And of course, we're not to that time of the year where you start making these lists, but um, a guy that I think really applies to this and he's a really big name and just for some reason, doesn't get the, you know the time is Jim Calhoun back with what he did with UConn. I, I don't think I hear his name enough in the conversation. Yeah, why? I How I don't understand it? that. I don't understand. It's no.
0: UConn. It's UConn. Like,
1: like early two thousands, like this that was like the premier program, one of the premier
0: programs. Like has he won four? Is it three or four? And the fact that you can't off the top see, that's of your head I don't, guess I don't the know. national championship numbers. Is telling, right? It is, yes. But I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Well, we know that he left a team for Kevin Ollie as well, right? Well, you might he want was to in tell year one or year two and, and won another title there with, with the Huskies. Someone
1: might want to tell Kevin Ollie that because he still thinks that that was his team and he built that. So, <laughs> I
0: mean, I don't know. I give him credit for winning a championship. I'm not going to be one of those guys where I'm saying, oh, you don't get any credit. You walked in there with someone else's guys. You still have to coach them and go out and win. Then we'd have to take one away from from Roy Williams as well and give it to, oh, my God, what was the what was the name of the disaster? Why can I not think of the disaster head coach at North Carolina? We've talked about there? it. So, yeah, we talked about it so many times. Oh, my goodness gracious. And they hadn't had a year that shockingly bad until just this past season with what? turned up in North Carolina, but Jim Calhoun, he won three. Okay. He won okay. three 99. oh4 11. Then yes. The fourth would have been with the Shabazz, Ollie, Nap- the Shabazz Napier year. I believe he was on both ends. I think he won two. Was he? So was he with, he was with Calhoun in 11. Uh, he must've, I think he was oh, with Calhoun okay. in 11 as a true freshman. And then he was the premier player on that. I'm going to guess that would have been the 2015 team. I'm just looking at Calhoun right now. And yeah, his, he was at Northeastern. He was at Northeastern for a good long while off the start of his career. Right. 64% win percentage there, 248 wins. He was winning, you know, 23 to 25 games or more every year. there, getting Northeastern, the Huskies as well, into the tournament every year. And then his run at UConn, then he winds up with 915 wins. The fact that he went to Saint Joseph in 2018 and was there last year as well—that's a bit shocking. That yeah, he, he like started the ball.
1: He like started the program from the the ground up there. Supposedly, like just built a team and then they, I think they challenged for like some type of championship.
0: You're right. No, they won their conference regular season and championship. Last year, 26 and 3 and 11 and 0. That's incredible. And they went to the division three first round.
1: <laughs> that's like Deion. That's like Deion Sanders at yeah. Jackson State, man. You just put a name some, somewhere he can bring in people.
0: Who hey, who who is the coolest? You got me thinking Yukon now, because okay, Yukon is badass. Like all throughout childhood, there wasn't a cooler team when Big East basketball was it. Who would have been like your guy? Like, do you remember the Yukon shorts? Like, it, it, everybody wanted to get a pair of UConn Huskies basketball shorts. I'm pretty so sure I know what you're down, referring to. UConn, yeah. I, I'm looking at Rip Hamilton, Richard Hamilton. That's the guy that just jumps off the page for me, UConn basketball. When I look in terms of the back,
1: guy that I liked watching, I liked watching, and it was so disappointing he'd never turned out to be anything in the NBA, but it was a the beat. I was really disappointed in oh, what that turned out to be.
0: The dream, Hashim, the dream.
1: <sighs> but I mean, if you're if you're a kid my age, it's like you grew up watching the magic of Kemba Walker and the Big East tournament, and then what he did in his run. Like that's one of the guys I think just across college basketball as a whole. If you fall in love with the sport and you were born within the 1990s, like that's a guy that you grew up watching.
0: Evil, I wanted to to get your take just on what's going on in the Big Ten this season. I saw <laughs>
1: it's Saint, it's New Year's saw, stuff.
0: <laughs> right, I, I was watching a little bit of that, at the end of the broadcast, Michigan State and Rutgers, and Jay Billis was just sort of spitballing on all the players, and as we've done here before, and his comment, which it might not be that far off when it's all said and done, he said you can maybe look at an All Big Ten first team when it comes time to select those things and it might nearly mirror the first team all american team. Uh
1: yeah, I, I definitely yeah, I definitely could see that. I mean, just go down the list. Uh the center from Michigan is it Hunter Dickinson, he, he could easily be on it. I he's probably averaging close to 20 points a game right now. Um That's Aya Dissumou, uh Luka Garza, you I mean, you you're talking about two of the best front court players in the nation right now you can put down right now. Uh like Marcus I said, Marcus car, Ron Harper Jr. there. Ron Harper Jr., uh, Isaiah Livers is pretty decent. Like it, maybe elevated his game a little bit more to mm. get all, to All American levels, but he's definitely capable of doing it. And then you got you can't forget Kofi Coburn. He's kind of had some rough stretches during the season, but I mean, right? He's still a beast. That alone, those three big men, you could fill out that sheet easily.
0: Yeah, but when you look at, there was a week there where they had nine ranked teams. And I, I swear to God, I saw something pop up on a Twitter feed yesterday that was one of those ESPN BPI lists. Did you see this? And it actually had the so. ACC projected out to have more tournament teams. I mean, oh,
1: I call I call BS on that. Come on, right? The ACC's like, incredible no contest. The ACC incredibly down. Like, who's gonna they win that? Who's gonna... teams with? Who's going to win that
0: league this year? Honestly, tell me who's going to win that because I don't I don't know. I don't I here's so it made me go and take a deeper look at the ACC like when I saw that and I'm like well wait a minute how could you possibly say something like that to us when your crown jewels Duke and North Carolina are not what they usually are at, at this stage. And I know Duke has not played all that many basketball games yet with some of their postponements. Virginia though is not the total juggernaut that they've been, even though they're no. one of my final four picks. That's going to be, it's going to take a huge rally from Tony Bennett and his guys to achieve something like that. Virginia tech, Virginia, 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 tech, your highest and ranked team. Virginia tech and Clemson were your highest ranked teams. That's incredible so ju- just because georgia tech is 6 and 3 and north carolina is 7 and 4 and wake forest has a winning record just because you got a bunch of teams with winning records i i struggle to wonder like what those metrics are looking at what that data is saying because to me man it's about players it- you want to talk depth and also top heaviness the big 10 has it covered on all bases mm-hmm. i mean penn state is an 0 and 3 team Three and four overall, and yet they beat the ACC's best right by twenty points on the road. That's That's what Penn State did to Virginia Tech. If you can think about that,
1: I mean that Miami team we were just talking about playing against North Carolina. They're in last place. They're zero and four. They blew a twenty-two point lead, or was it? No, it's opposite. I think Purdue had the twenty-two point lead and blew that. But besides the point, what I'm saying is that top to bottom, you really can't argue that the depth of the Big Ten is just superior to the ACC.
0: So when you look at the conference, I'm sure we, we could go back to a previous podcast and, sure. and find a ranking that we did or a preseason poll we did with, with the Big Ten. It, right. It's not fresh at the top of my mind, but it's always fun to sort of look at it midway through, not even midway through the conference year, but teams are going to start to cannibalize each other. I'm I'm surprised that Michigan, that anyone is still undefeated. And they're the only one. 4-0 and is the best. And if you look at Michigan, they're really, really good. There's no chance they're going to run the table in this conference. No. They've had about as favorable a start to their schedule as you could get. They've been on the road in a couple of them, but they had a home game against Penn State, right? Roadies against Nebraska and Maryland, and then home against Northwestern. I mean, two, the most, two of the
1: most game. favorable road games you can get so far. Sure. Like, Right? Yeah, I mean, this is – This is the story we hear every year with the Big Ten. Winning on the road is a premium. If you want to be a true contender in the NCAA tournament talk, you need to at least, in my eyes, steal at least three road games that you really shouldn't win.
0: Two to three. No. Give or take. That's a good point. If you're going to have any chance in in Ohio,
1: In in Ohio Ohio State's going to have to do that. And I I think that's another team – and obviously it's a, it's our local team we talk about, but they have to be more competitive on the road because what we saw with the game at Minnesota and give Minnesota all the credit in the world, that's an impressive team. But you've got to start to find ways of how to steal these types of games because you can you can lean on getting those Nebraska's, Penn State's, Maryland's maybe, but if you're not at least picking off a few of these top dogs, you're going to be the middle of the pack and you're going to be hoping on a selection Sunday.
0: Yeah, and you don't want to lose like that. Like, let that be Ohio State's worst loss of the season. Because if you are going to be a mid to upper echelon Big Ten team, which I think Ohio State has the grit and the toughness to figure out a way, even being undersized, just from seeing the way that Chris Holtman has coached his teams and how he gets the most out of them. I believe that they're going to find a way to get back to 500. They missed the Penn state game this week. That was postponed. So that would have been a great shot to get to three and yeah. three at hurt. And now you got to go on the road to Jersey Rutgers players were saying that they were cheated out of the game. The last time they just got hammered by Tom Izzo's crew. So, you know the rack, even without the fans there, is going to be hopping this weekend. Oh,
1: yeah. It's it's not going to be easy. And you know they're going to be hungry after that performance they just put up. I think they put up like 45 points or something like that. Like something really, really
0: underperforming. Yeah, it, was, but it was bad. It, Geo Baker rolled his ankle too. Something to maybe watch coming up this weekend. It,
1: it, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And Baker, he had a decent game against Ohio State last time around, but he's really not the one that's made the step. You said it. It's Ron Harper Jr. who is the All-American type of play in him. Um they get Jacob Young back, who got hurt actually in that previous game, I believe, against Ohio State. Um, and that kind of turned the tide in that run that they had. Uh, but yeah, Ohio State sitting in the ninth spot right now. And obviously, I feel like they haven't played their best basketball yet. So that's something to be happy about if you're an Ohio State fan. But you can't just lean on that because, again, any Big Ten game, it can go one way or the other.
0: Hey, if, so if I asked you to retool the top, just your top five teams in the Big Ten, what would they look oh, like? Wow. You see the standings that are right there. Maybe uh, maybe another shot at how they're going to finish. So try to, like, take what you got now uh-huh. send it to the end. I, f- if I'll go first for you, you can think about them. I'm going to still go with, and I don't think I picked this team to win it at the beginning. I, I If memory serves me correctly, I think I picked Iowa. But either way, it doesn't I matter. You you can, I think you, you did. You can disregard that one. You're getting a chance to redo it here. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. I'll go with Illinois 1, Iowa 2, Rutgers three, Michigan four, Wisconsin five. That would be my redo. Wow.
1: Okay. We're somewhat, I I do have Illinois at one. I have Wisconsin at two, Iowa at three, Rutgers four, Michigan five. Pretty, pretty similar. Pretty similar. Some shuffling here and there. But yeah, I think the gist of it is that we have a pretty, the top of the conference feels pretty secure, even though it can fluctuate on who goes in what spot. We kind of have a general idea. It's that middle pack, and it's the same way last year. It's that middle pack after like from six to eleven, where it's just it's just a madhouse. Like you don't know what's gonna happen until it
0: just you get later in the season. Like it's too early to tell. You know what? I I think I want to redo for my redo already because I'm not doing I'm not doing Michigan State enough justice. I'm really not.
1: So, so you're back on the wagon, is what I'm hearing.
0: Well, I'm, and and you know what? Now that I was, now that I was doing this right here, I feel like (laughs) I did pick Michigan State to win the Big Ten. It's, it's all coming back to me now because I remember you were a little bit off. I I was lower, but again, I, I, I never saw this. I mean. No, but the, again, like you saw what they just did to Rutgers, and I know Rutgers is having some injury issues. It's one thing it sure. tells us with with Rutgers also being a three-loss team, the confidence that we got in Peichel's crew, they are really changing things there. But I, I, I'm i going to have to go Illinois, Iowa. Then I'm going to go Michigan three. Then it's going to be – I'm going to have to flip-flop Michigan State and Rutgers I'm going to have to do that. Okay. I still I still like Rutgers as a basketball team, and it doesn't have all that much to do with just one head-to-head matchup yesterday. It's just overall, over the course of a season, what you know a Tom Izzo team is going to do. So Wisconsin will stay in there at four, and I'm going to put Michigan State at five, and Rutgers is going to be out.
1: Yeah, I don't have any issues with that. I, I mean, I, Rutgers kind of goes between the four and six line to me. I don't really have an issue with that. Um, Yeah, there's just – especially with – what's coming up for teams like Ohio state and some of these bigger name teams where it's going to get really tough here in the stretch where it's back end of January, starting into February. Like we're going to see a lot of movement. So it's not even close to being finished.
0: What else are you loving right now in college basketball? It's been a while since we uh, I don't broke love things it. down.
1: I, I don't love it, but I, I will say that my Dayton friends are getting really nervous. Like when you lose to Fordham, there's that kind of sends off the alarms going off in the head um, <laughs> because it's really, The issue going into the season is who is going to step up alongside with Jalen Crutcher. Crutcher had, I think, 14 points in that game, but he got nothing else from anybody else. Nothing. They couldn't score. I think they scored 55 points in that game. Not enough. And you can't do that and hope to be a tournament team without winning your conference championship uh, tournament. Like, I I don't know what to expect with that team.
0: Yeah, they got wins over uh, the whole state of Mississippi early on. (laughs) That's right but already two losses now in the A10, and you talk about road games that you got to win fordham is definitely is definitely one of them they are not one of the upper echelon squads in the atlantic 10 they haven't been for quite some time you got to go to davidson too i'm looking in a couple of days here so on friday night they're going to be at davidson at nine o'clock so they're speaking of the a- a team that's ready to go
1: speaking of the a10 i mean vcu this is seen as being a rebuild year and they're eight and two and one to in the conference so i mean like pandemic season or not just crazy things are happening because you also have a cincinnati team that's in the last place of the americans and there are tournament streaks on the line like brandon's team down there is in some trouble oh real and, bad yeah just overall there's a lot of like if you go down the list of all the standings right now, I think there's at least one thing in every conference that's kind of just pops your eye open. Um, but the Atlantic t- or the ACC being just completely average, I don't agree with what we were talking about earlier. Uh, Texas holding on right now in the Big 12, I think it's kind of catching my eye a little bit. I thought there was going to be, at some point, we'd see some type of faltering from them. But with the way they played against your Jayhawks, I. Uh, that, that was impressive. ugly. That was, right. Well, for you it was ugly, yes, but it was impressive yeah. for their
0: Yeah, it was fun for you. Kansas is still a really great team, too. You know the Jayhawks. We've talked about their depth issues, and that's what it yeah. is. But the the starting five that they can throw at you, and even a couple of those guys off the bench, they're they're very, very top line players, like you would come to expect from a Kansas team. And sure, when when that Jalen Wilson kid continues to thrive, they're they're very tough to beat. When they can get things from from Christian Brown's outside shot, that makes Kansas really effective. Oh, Chaya Baji, he's he's supreme. He's so athletic. He's awesome. McCormick is playing better, but the, you know Baylor's had some pauses. Don't right. Baylor's still undefeated. You know, I mean, right. they're still nine and zero. And if you look at all of college basketball, that 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 is Zaga and of, Baylor, right? It's still that, that game. That in and of itself is what's making this season so hard to just
1: kind of gauge because it's like you're getting a lot of teams that are getting a lot of reps in, and a lot of your teams that you came into the season expecting to be the top dogs are not playing as much. So what what is that going to result into? Like, what is Baylor going to be like when they start to get their legs back underneath themselves?
0: So, evil. The the one thing that that just crushed us all was the day the NCAA tournament died. <laughs> I mean, look, look, that's that's what it's all about as sports yeah. fans. For you and I, like, what we love about this sport is we're in it all year long. Like even when it's quiet, we're watching what happens on the recruiting trail. We're seeing who's moving around in the transfer portal when nobody else in mainstream sports is talking about our game. We care. And it's so great to see everybody come over for an entire month on the calendar. And it's just the, it's the biggest thing ever. And I love, I love our placement in the calendar month it's sort of a beautiful bridge from the winter to springtime like it just sort of sets off you know reminders in my personal life like oh when you get to march you get to enjoy your most favorite thing in the world in a sports sense and then it's going to be masters week right after that then you can dust the sticks off start playing a little bit of golf and then summer vacation time is coming like a month down the road and then football training camps are starting back up again and then it'll be basketball season All over, So I love it. And just to see all the news, it's going to be different this year. I don't care. I don't give a flip. The fact that the whole thing is in the state of Indiana, I can't think of one or two other, you know, greater basketball meccas in terms of states and people that are passionate about it in the entire U.S. You got Tobacco Road, you've got, you know, inner cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, but my goodness, to have the whole state of Indiana and Indianapolis hosting the tournament with all these different venues. It lets you know that it's happening. We're going to get there. We're going to figure out a way to get it done and get ready. It's going to be compressed a little. So it's it's going to be so wild to see how this thing works, the event that we know and love so well.
1: Right. No, I, I think another big thing that people have been talking about is those that really look forward to the idea of bringing back – uh actual sites like school sites instead of these remote like big gyms or big arenas that have no real affiliation or no like campus feel to them I think a lot of the old school fans really appreciate oh they're gonna go to Hinkle they're gonna do go the assembly they're gonna go play uh up at Mackey like Mackey. stuff like that yeah like, maybe
0: Ball State's arena too could be in there in Muncie
1: it could be yeah but yeah they've, but, they've said but, it
0: might they're not sure but it might
1: the point of it being is that I think a lot of people like how this defaults to going back to the old ways of doing it back in the campus setting, which I think will be really intimate, but you'll miss that fan as- that aspect of it. So that, that's going to be really weird. But I I don't know if – I didn't read the outline enough to know what their policy is on fans because I know at least at uh, with Butler at Hinkle, there's actually like like 25% capacity they've been doing and whatnot. So I, I wonder if there's going to be some type of environment
0: Going forward, hey man, the door is open, and isn't that cool? That that fan attendance will not be determined for a number of weeks. A source but, was which saying. is which
1: makes sense. That they they should one hundred percent go that way. They shouldn't make a decision right now.
0: Yeah, I'm reading here. So the interesting, interesting thing about Lucas Oil, which is the big, the big place, and you and I, we we hate how it's had to go that way, but it's that's never going to change. Apparently, even here in a pandemic, which is, which is really silly. Like if well, just just do it at
1: banker What is it called? Bankers Life Arena or whatever, wherever the Pacers yeah, play. Like that? and,
0: and yeah. that's another arena too that they'll clearly be using, and also the older one, Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Okay, that's home of IUPUI. Oui, pui. Oh, I don't yes. know if the of Pacers course. used to play there, but that's another one that they're going to use. I haven't. Have we seen for a fact that the national championship game is going to be at one of the specific venues? That I did not remember seeing. I haven't. I haven't uh, seen anything definitive on that. So, look, there's still a lot of time, and I don't think you need to set anything in stone. It would be ridiculous to have to, even on TV, watch a game play out at Lucas Oil Stadium when you absolutely do not need the seats. I mean, that's the sole purpose of doing it, is putting a basketball court in a big, empty football stadium because you want to have 70,000 fans and half of them don't even care if they can't even see the little fleas on the court. They just want to say that they were in the building. We don't need that for this year. Let's have it in one of the, let's have it at Hinkle, man. I mean, come on, national championship at Hinkle Fieldhouse, (laughs) do it. I mean, just the the pageantry of
1: it all would be awesome. But yeah, no, it's completely unnecessary to play that in an empty, big
0: 80,000-seat football stadium. Like, it's just, let's not do that. Come on. That just, it would be so stupid to have it go that way. So I'm reading here from the release that came out that Lucas Oil is not going to have two games scheduled simultaneously, but it will have two courts set up to allow the game slated to be played to be fluidly scheduled against each other without overlap so there you go you can get them um, get them up and going i, I had some so they friends... won't
1: so they won't play on the both of course at the same time no, but... no
0: so it won't be like the ymca which <laughs> some of my friends were texting me like are they going to put the big plastic and mesh wall in the middle right that that Protects the basketballs from going into the other game. Right. Just imagine that you got two NCAA tournament games, and that the referees have to have the whistle to just stop play, and someone's going to yell, "A little, little help here, Jalen Wilson for Kansas." Is gonna be, hey, a little help, ball, ball over in your area there. Come on, that'd be that would be a disaster. Like a, right. that would be awful. <laughs> Anything else for episode thirty-one here? As we were doing things a little bit differently, both uh, myself and Colin not at the home base, zooming to you for this podcast. No,
1: I, I mean, we, we've completed one quarter of the uh, Big Ten slate, so we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes of the season. Um, like I said, Ohio State's schedule is going to really toughen up here with a lot of road games against teams like Illinois and Iowa coming down the road. So uh, the Big Ten is going to see a lot of movement one way or another. It's just interesting to see how it's going to go and how these teams are going to respond to adversity because we know it's going to come every season during conference play.
0: You know, we didn't, we didn't talk a ton of mid-major flavors on this edition, but I want to give, I want to give a nod to Houston. You also might have an argument that that's not technically a mid-major anymore. That's Uh, one of the the most fun things about talking mid-majors is, is it a mid-major? I don't think so. Because of the city that they're in, right? And the conference that they're in. Creighton these days is in the big East, but Creighton just Creighton's in the Big East, but it still feels very, very mid-major, right? Yeah, it feels very like it. And St. Louis definitely is. And the Billikens are a good team. I got to catch a lot of the St. Louis, Minnesota game. That was uh, two games ago for the Billikens, but they're still seven and one. And you've mentioned their backcourt and also got like Javante Perkins. And uh, Jordan Goodwin as well. Just That's on really, French, yeah. They're very,
1: very right? deep team.
0: Yeah, yeah, really, really good team. But I'll be looking out for Gonzaga, man. As Gonzaga goes deep into the night of West Coast Conference play, <laughs> we, right? I mean, how, how enthralling is this? How good of a team is Gonzaga? But yet, none of this really i won't say it doesn't matter that's that's not me i'm not that guy it all matters you play the regular season for a reason every game counts right when they get into the tournament and they've played it's almost like they come out of hibernation right all those years spent in the west coast conference with teams that are so far below their standards it's been since the early season since they played the big boys and then they have to bookend the season and jump right into action and just everyone's got to be on high alert so can they go undefeated can they run the table, you still have the Dons you still have really good BYU and St. Mary's and Santa Clara is a, a good team too. it's a pretty good West Coast Conference, if you look up and down their standings, there are some better looking teams this year so. Gonzaga for me, man, is going to be an interesting thing to watch in several weeks.
1: And I know we do this every year with uh, mid-major teams that kind of, you know, you start to look and say, can they go undefeated? And I think Drake from the the Missouri Valley is a team you got to watch out for. This is a team in my pool I jumped on early and we're winning games, blowing out teams. Um, They look like they're the real deal. Shaquan Hempel is a uh, senior forward for them that's averaging about 14 points a game. Uh, the Missouri Valley is always sneakily tossing a team, and we've seen it with Loyola Chicago before, so it's not going to sneak up on you, but they they every so often will produce a team that just has that feeling like it's right, and they're on a roll, and I think they're 4-0 in the conference, but Loyola Chicago and Porter Moser are hanging in there right behind them, so we'll see if they can
0: spoil the party. Well, did you rock that Gordon Hayward jersey a lot over the holiday? Well, I mean, I
1: wore it to like, yeah. I, I, I wore it a few times when, I, when, I, when I'm watching my team lose to uh, Southern Illinois on their Perfect. home court. Yeah. Yeah. And watch and, out for the Salukis. And, They'll get and that you. Was, I think that's the first loss at home to a non-conference opponent in 50 plus games or something like that.
0: So that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was tough. That's pretty good and pretty bad at the uh, exact same time.
1: It's not a good year for them, but I mean, they just had the best recruiting class ever in the history of the program this past year. A lot of young players, a lot of fresh. the freshmen are actually leading the scoring on that team. So it's a, it's a rebuilding process.
0: Well, everybody uh, tell your friends who love this game as much as we do, if they're looking for something else to listen to, as we always do. We've been here for a couple of seasons now, trying to go strong and and build this thing. And uh, we're everywhere. We're everywhere that you can listen to your podcasts. So just tell them whatever they got on their phone already. Just dial up mad about hoops, give us a nice little review and a rating. And we certainly appreciate it. So no breaks. We did we recorded this straight through. We didn't take any pauses. Sometimes it takes Evil and I like 4 hours to record <laughs> what winds up being a 43 minute podcast because we just talk on our own in between segments instead of just recording it. We just we we stop and then discuss things, but this one was was completely natural cuz we just got too much stuff going on this week. But this wow. was great, Colin. I can't wait to talk hoops with you again next week, man. Yeah, Tim, can't wait to do it with you. All right, everybody, this is it for episode 31 of Mad About Hoops.